0: Good morning, Church. We're doing well If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter seven Matthew chapter seven. Last time I'll ask you to turn there for a while anyway. I don't know if uh you're you're able to sense it yourself this morning, but God's spirit is in this room today he's He's here, and uh if you're if you're seeking to experience God, all you have to do is ask, God, meet me here. Whatever you're experiencing and, and, and enduring through, God is, is here. And, and as we draw near to Him, the Bible says he will, he will draw near to us. And so, we've had the opportunity to journey through the Sermon on the Mount together. This is our last week. Uh, I took a kind of Houdini to everybody last week. Took a quick detour. Uh, but today we finish uh, our study, our, our journey together in the Sermon on the Mountain. Every single week I've said almost the same thing. These are words being, being spoken directly out of the mouth of the Savior of the world. This isn't just a man speaking. This is the Son of the living God speaking. Jesus isn't doing... Uh, these aren't recorded miracles that Jesus has done. These are words that Jesus has spoken or words uh, directly out of His mouth. Jesus has said some really powerful things. He, Jesus has, has maybe even said some things that you're on board with. You've written them down. You pray those back to Him. You, you memorize those words. You want, you want to live your life by those words. And so maybe you've written those words down. But Jesus has also said some words that are really hard to hear. Maybe some words that you don't necessarily want to agree with. Maybe Jesus has said some things that you didn't even know were there. Certainly, Jesus has given us as His church, as you, for you as the Christian, the instruction manual on how you and I are to live our lives. Jesus is saying, look, this is how you are to live. This is how you are to be. This is how you are to act and to operate in the world as a Christian. You want to know what it's like to live as a Christian? Go to the Sermon on the Mount. It's very different. We've learned and seen that. It's very counter pursuing these things that Jesus is teaching us. Uh, The world is not pursuing these things. But Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, says, look, this is how you live. And this is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. The greatest sermon that's ever been preached was not from Billy Graham. It wasn't from Charles Spurgeon. It wasn't from Martin Luther. It's from Jesus. And these are his words. And so we come to the very end of what Jesus has been teaching us. And so we'll pick up today in verse 24. Jesus continues to speak with us. He says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine. What words, Jesus? Well, right before this passage, uh, two weeks ago actually, uh, Jesus talked about there being two different ways, two different choices in life that people tend to make. One of those choices, one of those paths, uh, leads to life. Uh, the other choice, the other path, uh, the other uh, decision that people uh, decide to follow, that path, that choice leads to destruction. Jesus says, look, There are people that that think they're going to heaven, but they're not. Jesus says on that day, uh, the day when their life on this earth ends and they, they stand in the judgment seat of Christ, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. But there is some good news. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. So in one sense, uh, Jesus says, look, everyone who hears these words of mine, what words? Well, the words immediately spoken before this text. There's going to be people who choose the path to life. There's going to be people who choose the path to destruction. Everyone who hears these words of mine, they will be saved. They're founding their lives on the rock that can't be shaken. But Jesus, in another sense, is also saying, look, everyone who hears these words of mine, what words? Every word that I've already spoken, chapter 5, 6, and 7. If you live... All of the Sermon on the Mount, if you apply it to your life, Jesus is saying you are building your life on the rock that will not be shaken. He says you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. So what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to have wisdom? Well, the Proverbs have a lot to say about wisdom. Most of the Proverbs were written by King Solomon. King Solomon was the son of King David. And outside of Jesus, many believe that King Solomon was the, the wisest person who ever lived in the history of of all history. At the very beginning of Proverbs 1, Solomon writes this, to know wisdom. You want to know wisdom? To know wisdom, he goes on in chapter 2, he says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And then he says in verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So if you want wisdom, you pursue it from God. In essence, what's being said here is what, what we need to know about wisdom is wisdom comes from God. That's where it comes from. So this past week, we had the opportunity to give out a bunch of Thanksgiving bags. Because of your generosity, we were able to feed 30 different families and provide Thanksgiving meals for them. Now, Kay had an an incredible idea. Let's see how many of the families want to come and pick up the bags themselves. That way they can see our church. That way they can meet us here. And so many families came. I had the opportunity to meet a guy who came in here. I I talked to him for about half an hour. Now, this man, he wasn't a pastor. He he wasn't a minister or anything. He wasn't a church leader or an elder of anything like that. He was just a father of three and a husband, a, a guy who was searching for work. And I got to talk to him for 30 minutes and the Word of God just flowed out of his life. It was a delight for me to get to talk to this man. He, in his words, encouraged me. I don't know that it was the other way around. I hope it was, but more than anything, I received encouragement. More than anything, I I felt like I was drawing closer to God just by talking to that man. He had the Word of God planted in him. It was clear this, this man loved God. The word was just pouring out of him, flowing out of him like rivers of living water, and you could sense it and you could tell. And it was good to talk to him. That's what it means to, to seek was to store up God's word within yourself, to store up God's word in your heart. And with so much happening in the world, so much happening in your own sphere of influence, in, in your own life, your own personal family. It's easy for every single one of us to get distracted. The world is is doing a really good job right now distracting every single one of us. So to seek wisdom means you have to have discipline. You have to want to seek it out. We have to allow ourselves to pursue wisdom. Purposely seek wisdom out. It says in James 1 verse 5, If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be, giving to, be given to you. So if you want wisdom, the Bible is saying, hey look, seek it out. God is readily available to give wisdom for those who seek it out. And if you want to be an effective Christian in a world that is so anti-Christian, seek the wisdom of God. I believe effective kingdom work is related to the wisdom of the Christian. It's hard to be a Christian in this world. It is even harder in different areas of the world. But it seems like our our nation is becoming even more anti-Christian. You want to be an effective Christian? You want to do effective kingdom work? Seek the wisdom of God. To be wise is to give careful thought to almost everything that we do. At least the things that are important. We're not supposed to just mindlessly exist in this world. We're supposed to think. We're supposed to think for ourselves. Think for our families. And to be a Christian means you have to seek discipline. You have to be disciplined. It's going to take work. It's not going to be easy. But God in His Word says, look, if you want wisdom, seek it out. I'm available and I'm ready to give it to those who seek it out. So Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of Mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat, and beat on that house but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And then he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Your Christian life, my Christian life, it's all about what we make of it. It's all about what we make of it. If You're either building your life on Jesus who is the rock, uh, the very foundation for which we should build our lives, or you're building your life on sand. The things of this world. You're more worried and and caring for and stressed and anxious about job security. and, And those are important things, but Jesus said, look, if you bank all of your life on those things, you're like a foolish man building your house on the sand. Don't put of your marble, so to speak, in that basket. Put it all in Jesus. What Jesus is contrasting here is not uh, Christians and non-Christians. He's not saying, look, Christians are supposed to build their life on the rock, not on the sand. He's not saying Christians do that and, and non-Christians build their life on the sand. Jesus is talking to people who are, who are following Him. Jesus is talking to the church. The implication here isn't believers and non-believers. Jesus is saying there are people in the church Christians, followers of Jesus, you're attending church, you may even show up to Bible study, you may even uh, read your Bible, but Jesus is saying there's a difference. Those who are wise are the ones who are abiding in My words. They're actually doing them. They're applying them to their lives. They're living them out. And He says, look, those who are not wise, they're not doing that. They're not doing that. And the way that you're able to tell is what happens when the storm comes. The way that you're able to tell is what happens when the storm comes. What happens when the storm comes in your life? How do you react? How do you respond? Is God's Word rooted deeply in you? That way you, you stand firm and you're not easily shaken. This is all about foundation. My wife and I, this past Wednesday, we closed on a house. And so, all I ever heard from people throughout the entire process of buying a house was make sure you check the foundation make sure you have someone come out and look at the foundation is the foundation good make sure the foundation is good you need to you need to have someone come inspect that's all people would tell me more than anything else how's the foundation because if the foundation's not good you're in for a whole heap of problems that's what people told me we were in the beginning of the home buying process and we looked at different houses they all look good. The house that we're buying, we, we love it. And, and you know the house, it could be a beautiful home, but the most beautiful home. this house is perfect. Uh, we don't even have to paint the walls. Uh, we don't even have to, you know, do this or that. It's perfect, but then when someone comes in and checks the foundation, they say, "Well, you need to do this, this, this and this, and if you don't, you're going to be in for some trouble in the future. So the house can look beautiful. But the foundation, it needs work. The same for the Christian life. You can show up here. You can go out and live your life in the world. And everybody thinks you're good. Everybody thinks you're solid because you carry a Bible around. Everybody thinks you're know, you a Christian uh, to talk to, uh, to ask for advice from. But when the storm comes, when you experience suffering, when trials come and they will, how do you respond? If your foundation's not on solid rock but, but being built on sand, people will know a difference, and you will experience that difference. It's all about how you respond. You may even realize, as the storm hits, whatever it is, whatever whatever kind of suffering that you begin to experience, you may actually realize that you were never even actually standing on solid rock. You'll find out the hard way that you've been standing on sand the whole time. There are tests in life that will search and try us to the very depths of our souls. Many of you have experienced those tests far greater than I have. But I believe every single one of us will experience tests in life. Forms of suffering in life. Trials that maybe we're not expecting. And I don't have to preach to many of you on that. You should be preaching to me about that. But I do believe that Jesus Himself has said you will experience troubles. You will face trials. And so, part of this is allowing ourselves to get ahead establishing a firm foundation so when they do come, as the Word of God promises, we're ready. Maybe you're, you're in a storm right now. Whether that's the death of a family member, which many people in our church are experiencing that. Whether it be a divorce or a devastating diagnosis like cancer. We have people in our church continuing to fight cancer. Maybe it's just a lawsuit. Whatever it is, if you haven't experienced a trial or some form of suffering yet, you will. We all will. But what is your foundation? What are you building your life on? Coming here just on Sundays, it's not enough. Building your Christian value system, building your foundation on Jesus uh, by just coming here on Sundays, it's not enough. There was a vacation home back in 2008 in Galveston. It was actually in Gilchrist, Texas. They called this house the last house standing. That's a beautiful house, isn't it? So that house had experienced a, a storm of some kind once before, and so they had rebuilt the foundation. That way it could withstand wind, winds of up, up to 143 miles an hour. Well, a hurricane came through in 2008, and look what happened. It annihilated everything but that house. That house is perfectly stable and in mint condition. Everything annihilated around that house. Miles of coastland just destroyed Yet this house, called the last house standing, still as beautiful as it was in the picture you just saw, that's a solid foundation right there. You would agree, that's a solid foundation. (laughs) That's the idea Jesus is getting here. That's the idea that Jesus is getting. When the storm comes, your foundation is so strong. You're so rooted in the Word of the living God. You're building your foundation on Jesus the Christ. When the storm comes, you can be that house. I've been so encouraged by my faith from people in our church. I've seen my father-in-law, Steve Hamilton, was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. Four and a half years ago, was given a year to live, yet he continues to fight. He continues not only to fight, but to pursue Jesus, to do the work of the ministry. And they're accomplishing right now, EOE, a lot in Jesus' name despite circumstances. I've been encouraged by that. Laura Kiggins, fighting cancer as well. She came in here the other day to use the prayer room. I got to go in there, say and and just visit with her and pray with her. And All I ever keep hearing Laura say is, I couldn't do this without God. She's always telling me that. It seems like every Sunday I keep hearing Laura say, it's the Lord that's getting me through this. I've been encouraged by my wife and her faith. I don't know if you know this, but I'm eight years older than my wife. I came to Christ five and a half years ago, my wife came to Christ when she was like four years old. She's been walking with Jesus her entire life. But she's also experienced a lot of loss in her life. All of her grandparents have passed on. And it's been years now. All of my grandparents are alive and seemingly healthy. Not only that, but she's lost a lot of other loved ones. I haven't. I don't quite know what it's like to lose a loved one. That's just me. Being honest with you. Yet she, is, she has clung so tightly to Jesus as her rock and as her firm foundation. I've seen the way she speaks. The, the Word of God is in her. She's got wisdom for someone her age that I never could have had when I was her age. You know, just because I'm a, I stand up here and I preach and I have the opportunity and the privilege to be a minister of the gospel. And I've I've been to Bible college and it doesn't mean that I always know the right words to say to people when they've lost a loved one. I would admit that I'm not the best. I I can point you to the Bible. I can point you to Scripture. I can show you in the Word where God promises, hey, it's going to be okay. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. God with you. I can do that. I can point people to the living Word of God. But I don't know what it's like to lose someone. Especially someone deeply... Close to me. So I may not know how to identify with you in that, but here's what I do know. Jesus does. Jesus can identify with you. In everything that you experience in this life, Jesus can identify with you. We don't worship a God who, who can't identify with us. We don't worship a God who can't identify with our needs. Whether they're great or small. Jesus can identify with us. If you've lost someone, Jesus can identify with you. And if you're in a season of mourning, Jesus can identify with you. If you've, if, if you've experienced hate, harsh words, people were mean to you, Jesus can ex- identify with you in that. Because Jesus, people were mean to Jesus. So we have we have people in our church right now who are experiencing difficult things. And, and you know, even though people aren't faithful, God is faithful. And even though people aren't always good, God is always good. And even though people may leave you, God will never leave you. He's the Good Shepherd. Even when you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, He's with you. You don't have to fear. God is with us. He He comforts you in your most desperate moments your most vulnerable moments, in your weakest moments in life, you have a good shepherd who comforts you, who, who strengthens you, who helps you get up to face another day, to guide you through the deepest and darkest of anything that you experience in life. What Jesus is saying to us today, the kind of foundation that you need to build for yourself, for your life, is the kind that when the floods come, And the winds get heavy. Your house doesn't fall. Your life doesn't fall apart. You don't drift or waver easily just because things get hard. You're able to withstand anything that comes because you're rooted in Him. You've established yourself, your life on the rock. The cornerstone of your faith, Jesus Christ. But Nate, you don't... You don't understand. I've been through so much. And what I'm going through right now it's too much. You just don't you just don't get, you couldn't possibly get it, Nate. And you're probably right. Maybe I couldn't. Maybe nobody can get it. But God can get it. God does get it. He's not just sitting idle right now in the moment of your suffering, in the moment of your trial, in the moment or season of a storm. Listen to what Proverbs 3 says. This is a verse, a couple of verses maybe many of you know well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So trust in the Lord the Bible says. Lean not on your own understanding. So whose understanding are we not leaning on? Our own. We're not banking on our what we think should be or not should be. We're not leaning on our own understanding. We're, we're leaning on God and His Word and what it says. Our minds are finite. We're limited in our understanding of many things. And in our finite minds, and in our humanness, we're very tempted to start looking around while, while we're suffering, while maybe you're facing a trial or you're in the, in the midst of a storm. It's, it, we are very tempted in our finite minds and in our, in our humanness to look at other people and say things like, why aren't they going through what I'm experiencing? Why me? Why do I have to? But, but and, I, and I look at, at them, and, they, and everything looks fine, and, and, but me? But, but why me? I come to church every week, God. I pay my tithe. I give my offering. I'm, I'm, I'm consistent. But then, then these people, why me? And that's just like Israel. We just talked about that last week. We can be tempted to blame God in the midst of a storm. And just like Israel, we can be tempted to turn our backs on God. Forgetting all that He's done for us. God had earned the trust of His people in the Old Testament. Through all that God did for them and what He promised to do for them, He was worthy of their complete trust. Yet Israel time and time again, turn their back on God. And the same is possible for every single one of us. When we face trials, forms of suffering, or any kind of storm in our lives, whether great or small, we are very tempted to lose our faith and we are very tempted to lack trust in God. And you know what? That's exactly what the enemy the devil wants. You see, the Bible calls him a schemer. He's not just sitting idle either. He's waiting for that moment to jump in and devour you in your weakest moment. That's what he's good at. That's his job. It's to crush you when you're already feeling down. He wants to get you and I to doubt God, to lack trust, to lose faith, maybe even to curse the church, maybe even to curse the people in the church. Something, somebody may say something bad that you didn't like, and so you leave the church. That's what the enemy wants for people to not come to this place. That's why Jesus says, build your house on a foundation that will not crumble. One that has roots that are deep. One that's solid because storms come, trials come, we will face suffering. We will experience that. So Jesus says, look, don't be a fool. He goes on in verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. Coming to church, letting God's Word enter through one ear and out the other, you're just wasting your time. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes a desire to want to apply God's Word to our lives. And through the help and work of the Holy Spirit, we can build a foundation that is solid. One that will not waver. One that will not Jesus says look to listen to my words and not apply them to your life to hear these words and not obey them to not live them out Jesus says it's foolish you're a fool the Greek word for foolish here is moros now I'm probably pronouncing that wrong but but what it means is moron that's where we get the word moron Jesus saying look don't don't be a fool you want to know what the Bible says about being a fool only fools say in their hearts, Psalm 14, there is no God. They are corrupt, and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. That's a fool. The Bible says, look, only a fool would say that there is no God. Jesus is saying, don't be foolish. Build your house on, a, on the rock that is Jesus. It's a bad idea to build your house and your, your foundation in your life on the sand. That's what a fool does. And in this, this prime season of life, right now, with all of the distractions happening, we, we all in some form are being tested in our faith. Are we going to worry about the cares of this world? Are we going to worry about the future of our nation? Or are we going to stand firm in Jesus and what He says to be true? Are we going to stand firm in Jesus and in, in the promises of God found in the Bible So Jesus says, don't build your life on sand. Because if you do, you're being a fool. Storms come. Trials happen. And people will, yourself included, we will all know who's rooted deep in Jesus. Are you being a wise person or are you being a foolish person? The wise person builds their life on Jesus. The foolish person does not. So, simply put, how are you building your life? Because time will tell. Time will tell if I could just speak to the men in the room. You know the Bible says that we are to be the spiritual leaders of our household. So how are you being that for your family? How are you being that for your kids? How are you shaping your family? Are you being a wise man? Or are you being a fool? What legacy are you leaving? Be a wise person. Know this Word. Plant it deep down within you that it would flow out of you like rivers of living water. Meditate on this Word day and night. That's what the Bible instructs us to do as followers of Jesus. To know the Word is to know God. And to know God is to to know His Word. Build your life on Jesus. And I'll end here. The worship team can come up. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at His teaching, for He was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The entire Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, are words being spoken not just of a person named Jesus, but of the Son of the living God. God in the flesh. The second person of the Trinity. And His words are powerful. And His words, they pierce through soul and spirit, joint and marrow. They judge the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So here's what I could say. If you've been convicted of sin these last 12 weeks, if you felt compelled to make changes in your life these last 12 weeks, be glad and rejoice because God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. And as God in the flesh, Jesus, the the Son of the living God is speaking to this crowd of people, it says that they were amazed. They were astonished because they had never been taught this way. You know, you can, you can come and hear a sermon every Sunday. You're guaranteed that. Don't, don't, don't build your life on sermons. Don't build your life on what a preacher says. By God's grace, He uses words, not from, just from the pulpit, but, but from worship to edify us, to build us up, to strengthen our faith and trust in Him. By His grace, He uses that. But don't build your life on sermons. Don't build your life on what a preacher says. Build your life on Jesus. He's the one who has all authority when He speaks. And that's why these crowds of people were amazed. We've never heard anybody speak this way. We've only heard men talk about God. They had never heard God. You hear God most clearly when you're closest to And a way for you and I to be closest to God is in His Word. Find a Bible reading plan and read the Bible. Maybe for you that's just one chapter a day. Maybe it's several. Maybe it's just a passage. Maybe you just need to wake up and read one verse. Meditate on that verse all day. Hide it in your heart. Know it. Know it well. Use it in conversations with other people. Build your foundation. Build your life on Jesus the author and perfecter and finisher of your faith i love what it says in verse chapter 8 verse 1 and when he came down from the mountain great crowds followed him so jesus speaks and people follow that was the outcome so the question is will we be the same When Jesus speaks to us through his word, will we follow? Will we obey? Will we adhere to? Will we be these words? Will we live them out? When God speaks, will we follow? Church, let's stand and worship together.